This podcast is brought to you by the School of Security Studies at King's College London. Hello, I'm Sam Martin. Welcome to the first of our Warsaw's podcast summer repeats, showcasing some of the favourite recordings of the past year. In this edition, you'll hear Dr. Stacey Gutkowski give an introduction to non-religion and secularity studies, and where they fit within the study of war and conflict. To listen to the conference recording referred to in the interview, follow the link we provide on the Security Studies SoundCloud page. I'm Dr. Stacey Gutkowski, and I'm a senior lecturer in conflict studies in the department. What are non-religion and secularity? Oh, that's a really good question, because no one agrees on that. (laughs) Um, So back in July, uh, here uh, in the department, we sponsored a conference which was co-sponsored by the department and the Non-Religion and Secularity Research Network called Worldviews and Worldview, Particularizing Secularism, Secularity, and and Non-Religion. And the terms uh, terms non-religion and secularity are contested, but I guess the best way to think about them are the things that people are are more familiar with, like atheism, agnosticism, humanism, rationalism. Um, But if you are a war studies person and you're not a religious studies person, maybe the best way of thinking about it is to think of non-religion like non-violence. So... We know what violence is, so we're able to sort of think about what nonviolence is, the absence of violence. Um, but on the other hand, academics debate about whether um, violence and nonviolence are actually the opposites of, of one another. We know that when wars come to an end, um, sometimes one group in an armed faction is negotiating and the other um, part of the armed faction continues to carry out attacks. So there's a gray area between violence and nonviolence. Um, And the same between religion and and non-religion. People uh, believe a range of different things, which may be, you know, what a religious tradition officially says, but may not be. Um, This is a relatively new area of study, uh, which has been developed over the past 13 years. I'm the co-director of the Non-Religion and Secularity uh, Research Network, which we formed in 2008 to further develop the field, theoretically and empirically. Um, and since 2008, it's grown to be the, the largest and uh, as well as the first global research network uh, in this area with um, a, uh, the first journal, academic journal in this area, Secularism and, and Non-Religion, and also a book series, um, Religion and its Others, published with De Gruyter Press. Um, we also have a, a very lovely, um, very lively blog series. Um, and if you're further interested in the work, you can look us up at www.nsrn.net. So as I understand, uh, the NSRN conference that was held this summer was hosted by the Department of War Studies. The Department of War Studies seems like an unusual place to hold a, a conference on non-religion. What, what was the reasoning behind this? No, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so the, the NSRN uh, has been situated in various, uh, various departments, uh, in sociology departments, anthropology departments around the world. Um, bringing it to, uh, to War Studies when I, when I joined War Studies a year ago has been a, a new, uh, new venture for, for the NSRN. Um, the NSRN's work uh, spans a wide variety of, of disciplines and areas of interest, including um, politics and international relations. So it's, it's quite a good fit. Um, and my own work um, looks at the intersections between war and violence and peace and the secular. Um, 
And I think of this in this way, that war is a very intense arena of human experience, physically, emotionally, psychologically, also spiritually. Um, and if we want to understand how people live through and experience war as organized um, violence, it makes sense to look at how they make sense of the world, how they think about what it is to be a, what it is to be a human being um, in the world. And in order to look at that, we need to look at individual experiences, but we also need to look at the resources that they draw from. And some of these might be entirely secular, philosophical, um, ethical traditions, but they might also be religious traditions. So for example, if we wanted to understand um, war in medieval Europe, we would need to look at um, what Christianity looked like at the time. And if we want to understand war and violence in the Arab world, it makes sense to look at Islam. And if we want to understand war and violence as it is experienced, for example, um, in the UK in 2018, we need to understand that people um, draw their ethics and their ways of making meaning in, the, meaning in the world from philosophies that have nothing to do with, uh, with God. Now, my first book, I was interested in um, British foreign policy and um, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan and how um, sort of um, secular attitudes within Britain contributed to um, foreign policy related to Islam. Um, and in my second book that I'm writing now, I'm more interested in individuals. So a lot of people, um, a lot's written about how religious symbols function in conflict to, to exacerbate conflict, for example. Um, but in the book I'm interested in, what's, what is it like for a person who isn't um, particularly attached to a religious tradition, though they may be shaped by it in ways, um, in more ways than they think they are, um, what is it like for that person to be living through, maybe fighting in a conflict um, where religious symbolism really matters to quite a lot of other people? So what was the purpose of the NSRN conference this summer? The purpose of the conference was really to bring together um, three schools of thought, uh, three schools of academic thought um, where people have been investigating questions about the secular and secularism. Um, so these are critical religious studies, critical secular studies, and then people who are interested in non-religion and, and secularity. So critical religious studies has traditionally been interested in how um, people came to think about um, religion in modern times after the European Enlightenment, um, how they came to conceptualize religion as um, private and individual and, and non-political. So critical religious studies is really interested in the, the history of Protestant Christianity and then how that has become um, transmitted down through time in the way we think about um, other religions and they they want to they want to problematize that critical secular studies which has been um, predominantly associated with Talal Assad and his students um, has been interested in how secularism as a political formation in, in the modern West um, has come to um, discipline and act as a form of, of power over the types of religion that are uh, types of um, religious expression that's permitted in, in the public sphere. And people who have been working, I guess, broadly under the umbrella of non-religious and secularity studies have been interested um, more on in the individual level. 
um, how do individuals respond to these larger um, historic conditions um, and draw from a variety of resources to make meaning in their lives. So uh, the conference itself was designed to bring together um, people who were working in these three areas for conversation, to find areas of overlap, theoretically, uh, empirically, um, but most importantly, it was to bring together people who were working on non-Western case studies. A lot of the theoretical work that had been um, done in the area of um, non-religious and secularity studies uh, over the past 13 years had predominantly focused on the West, um, and we wanted to we wanted to problematize that. Um, so the conference featured speakers who conducted fieldwork in the Middle East, in Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, Latin America, um, as well as those from, from Europe and, and North America. And uh, the attendees came from a wide variety of, um, of disciplines, from um, anthropology to sociology to IR and political science um, to even people working in quantitative experimental methods and cognitive, uh, cognitive science and, and psychology. And the keynotes touched on a, a variety of, of case studies. So um, Dr. Samuli Shoka from Leibniz Center Moderner Orient uh, spoke about Egypt and the, prior, uh, the period prior to and after the 2011 revolution. Uh, Dr. Erica Buffelli from the University of Manchester spoke about Japan. Um, and her talk was particularly interesting. She was talking about her uh, experience uh, working with Aum Shinrikyo, the group involved in the 1995 sarin gas attacks on the Tokyo subway system. Um, and then Dr. Reza Golami from the University of Birmingham actually gave us two talks in one. Um, and he first spoke about uh, young Iranians uh, living in, uh, in the UK who live a, a secular, non-religious lifestyle. Um, and then he also talked about uh, the UK government's uh, prevent counterterrorism strategy um, and the sort of role of secularism uh, in, in shaping that. Um, and then finally, from a, a, a religious studies uh, perspective, Doc, uh, Professor Todd Weir and Dr. Lois Lee gave us a lot to think about around the term, theorizing the term worldview and whether this is a better term than religion or non-religion, secularity, any, any of these terms for thinking about uh, these ideas. So we're about to listen to the first keynote of the NSRN conference. Uh, can you tell us uh, about some of the highlights from this keynote address? Absolutely. So um, our opening keynote was given by Dr. Smoli Shulka from Leibniz Zentrum Moderna Orient. Um, it was entitled Heretic Undercurrents and Secular Powers in a God-Fearing World, the Case of Egypt uh, and the Middle East. Um, it's a very rich talk. It's hard to you know, grab uh, a few things that, that were highlights, but for those listening, uh, listening to the remainder of the talk, I'd, I'd like to highlight a, a few things that he has to say and then maybe talk about um, why these would be of interest to people who work on war and security. Um, so the first thing that he said that I think is, um, is really rich is what he has to say about, about human power. And he's talking about, he's using um, some of Sabah Mahmoud's arguments from her 2015 book, um, refined through uh, some of the work by Salvatore and Soiblin on, um, on Islamic contexts. Um, and Smully talks about that the power relationship between God and, and humans is always a, always a triad. Um, so he's talking about uh, his own work in, in Egypt, 
um, talking about the Arab world more, more generally, and he's saying that even when humans are in conversation with one another, God is always there. That's part of the structure of, of Arabic, but it's also um, part, of, part of the context. Um, and he says that secularism transforms this relationship, that humans are able to um, push to God to the side somewhat, somewhat to curtail the matters where, where God um, is and isn't um, present, and that this is what is um, that this is what is secular. The second thing that he talks about um, that I think was really fascinating was a controversy in the early uh, 1990s around the work of uh, Nasser Hamad Abu Zaid, who was a professor at the University of Cairo. Um, he eventually had to flee to the Netherlands after he was um, convicted by a court um, for producing heretical work. And um, Simulius is refining um, an article that was written by Charles Hirschkind uh, about this. And Smully argues that, you know, while Abu Zaid's work about, um, about the Quran can be read as uh, both, you know, pious or impious or heretical, um, he says that because Abu Zaid ascribes to the Ijaz, to the divine nature of the Quran, that it's actually ambivalent work. It's not, it's not impious work. And Smully's talk is about these sort of um, gray areas and he, his argument is that, you know, um, these debates about whether non-religion is a, is a useful term needs to look at the way in which people um, live um, ambiguously and, and ambivalently. And so the third thing that, that he talks about is what is, um, what is heresy? And um, at the end of the talk, he reads this, uh, he reads a beautiful poem by uh, Bassam Muhammad Abu Gwali, um, who's writing since the revolution in Egypt about, um, well, in, the, in this poem, I mean, uh, Shilka uses this poem to make a point that after the revolution, there's been a lot more um, religious diversity in Egypt. This kind of intense human experience, like I talked about before, has produced um, a range of people kind of experimenting with, with other forms of spirituality, secular philosophies. Um, there's been a rise in, in Sufism, um, in Egypt, and what he wants to show, what um, Smuley wants to show with using this poem is that there's a space of experimentation that people um, pursue in their lives that doesn't fit into the category of, of religion and, and non-religion. Um, and so he thinks the term heresy is actually really, um, really problematic, um, that people are actually being creative and um, experimenting in their lives in in different in different ways. So those things are all very interesting. If you're in religious studies, or you're in you know uh, you're interested in in the Middle East or Arab studies. But I think if you if you work on um, war and security and violence, you can still take really important things away um, from uh, Samuli Shilka's talk. So. First of all, as I said before, I think, you know, if you're studying war and political violence in modernity, we need to pay attention to how people understand ethical and existential questions. Um, and from my own perspective, in order to get to grips with this, we need to understand their personal life philosophies and practices, 
um, and that they may draw from a range of um, resources, experimenting from within the tradition that they grew up um, and also outside the tradition. And I think Simone's talk really unpacks this in a very, um, in a very sophisticated way. Um, and then I think there are other ways in which his talk provides um, food for food for further thought. So, for example, for people who are interested in in Islam and jihad and questions of political violence, um, his work can maybe be used to problematize some of some of the misconceptions you hear in the media and public discourse. Um, for example, that those who engage in jihad um, distort Islam, and Samuli would say, "Well, look." Uh, or maybe what we can take away from his his talk is that look um, these things are far more complicated than that it's not a binary between this is the true path of this religion and this is a distorted path um, but that everyone in their everyday lives is involved in making and remaking um, a living tradition um, and that there are forms of forms of authority involved um, in in that remaking um, and that has implications for politics, including the use of uh, the use of violence. Thank you for listening to this edition of the War Studies podcast. For more information about the School of Security Studies, visit kcl.ac.uk/forward/slash/security/studies.